Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my elf helper, Ben Bumhoffer. You know, it's funny that works on a lot of different levels this week. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've got a, a decked out <laughs> cat RV next to me. Yep, you uh, do. Very festive. I play a half elf in uh, plus five to hit, so I mean there, there's multiple ways of going with this, and I I like where it's going. Yeah, this is I, I thought we'd be I thought we'd be festive today. It's it's the holidays, and uh, sadly it is our last episode of the year. Yes, uh, but but you can blame that on turn. me. Yeah, it, it's it's okay. We got we got Christmas coming up. There's a there's a lot of holiday stuff around this time, so it's it's just one of those things. We were like, let's. See if we can fit in another episode. And we were able to fit in another yes. episode. And then we will return in January next year. So really excited about that. Um, we're actually really excited about the topics that we we're going to talk about yeah, we've got tonight. Some good ones. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, magic item distribution and fixing imbalances. Because I, I know as a DM, uh, especially as I was learning and as as I've played over the years, this is one of the hardest hardest things honestly for a mm-hmm. for a dm to do so i figured this would be a really good one to talk about and then we're also going to talk a little bit about uh integrating different forms of campaign settings and characters yes because not everything is on the same level so to speak and sometimes uh players may want a certain fantasy that may or may not fit perfectly into your world setting. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk a little bit about reconciling those differences if possible. Uh, and then we've got uh, a question or two, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what our kind of our last D&D games for the year uh, have yeah. gone as well. So uh, let's, let's start off with the, the magic item distribution. So um, it's, it's kind of interesting. There's not much... If you if you were to just like grab the dungeon master's guide, there's a lot of random tables mm-hmm. for for magic item distribution that you can roll on if if certain you know things are met. And I rolled a 87 on the percentile or a 66 on the percentile. You know, go look at table A4, you know, whatever, and then roll again and and find stuff. And you know, that's that's a perfectly fine way of distributing loot. Definitely. Uh, It's certainly fairly simple as far as you, the DM don't have to do any planning. You, the DM may have to deal with the repercussions (laughs) of some of the (laughs) potentially ridiculous things they get, or the players may have to deal with the, the repercussions of, well, this is worthless. I can't use this or this really won't work for anybody. Um, so interestingly, I thought we'd kind of start this off because, um, in one of the rules supplements, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, Wizards actually came in and laid down a few guidelines for loot distribution, which was, which was really cool. And so I wanted to kind of go over that real fast and then kind of talk about our personal experiences and like the, the way we personally do things. So, um, in, in Xanathar's, there's a distribution by tier and by rarity. So 
what a tier is, um, we've, we've talked before about tiers of play. You've got your, you know, your early stages, one through four. Then you've got the, oh, your party's getting going. You're, you're known a little bit in the five through 10. And then they're, oh, we're like regional hero type people. Like people are counting on us. Some people, you may have some good name recognition in the 11 through 16. And then you've got like the 17 through 20, which is the, we are trying to stop world ending problems or traveling to other planes of existence and doing, you know, all this, all this big stuff or whatever. And so, um, so they have that broken down by tiers. All magic items have a rarity and then they uh, have classified minor and major items. Um, And uh, so they've got this list of like, for characters levels one through four, like you, you should have, they should get like nine minor items and two major items. And then five through 10, 28 minor items and six major items. And then, you know, 24 and mm-hmm. six and then 19 and six. And just like, that's, that's your total thing is, is kind of a guideline, right? Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. And I think it gives, it gives some really good um, starting points uh, because there's, there's two things. One, you don't want to be too stingy with loot because magic items are just inherently interesting and fun. Um, magic items can be used as catalysts for creativity for your players, um, uh, for you. Sometimes it's, it's fun to just throw a magic item at the players. That's not necessarily quote unquote powerful, but you just as a DM want to see how will they use this? Something like an immovable rod, for instance, not necessarily inherently powerful earth shattering in and of itself, but creatively can be used for a ridiculous number of things. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the Xanathar's guide. And if you have that, you can go, you can go check that out yourself. Uh, table of contents, search for the, the magic item distribution. Um, but there's, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more nuance to it. So Ben, let's, let's kind of start with you. How do you handle your magic item distribution in your game? Well, you know, the, uh, the, the wonderful table that's in Xanathar's and the even more detailed version that actually has everything awarded by rarity. Um, I mean, it's, it's really well thought out. It's very, very, you know, useful. I don't touch it at all. <laughs> I mean, the way I look at it is, is that uh, I am creating my world. Everything in the world is there because it's something that I've created or put in there. Um, obviously, I'm not saying I created every magical item, but you know, I've created the place where it resides or, or whatever. And my world is, it, it's a fairly heavy magic world because, you know, if I'm going to be playing in some sort of world that is different than my own, that people can throw fireballs, you know, without a lot of pre-planning and the actual scientific materials to do, I'm going to have magic everywhere because why not? You know, I'm using my imagination with everything. um, And I figure magic items are part of a magical world. And it's really hard to, 
you know, when you start off with a one shot of like, hey, we're just going to have fun. And then you kind of build off of that without any sort of pre-planning on how you're going to do some of this stuff. So a lot of my magic item distribution is just completely by design of how the world is at this point. And like, you know, for example, I have a, uh, <laughs> the, the very first town that they went to had a magic shop in it. And it's, you know, proprietor is someone who used to be an adventurer who really enjoys the idea of helping out other adventurers. So she sold some magic items to them at like super cheap prices, partly because I had no idea what I was doing at the time. But also, again, it's one of those things where I just kind of wanted to, to give my players opportunities to experience some of this fun in a magical world. And from that point going forward, it's been challenging because, you know, when they have like a big boss encounter of some sort, I want them to be able to have loot. I want them to be able to, you know, grow in their own power as well as levels because, you know, you start getting up in levels, you start coming across things that if it's not a magical weapon, it's either immune or it takes half damage. And you kind of want to have, you know, work with that balance for just, you know, specifically the weapons themselves. But magic items are so much more than just, oh, well, I got a plus one. Yeah, different effects add to different things. And I started just kind of going with the way that, you know, I would view a certain character. Like there's this wizard that they were fighting and he owned a giant tower. Well, the wizard himself is going to be decked out in some magical items. Inside the tower, there's going to be magical items. And that's when you, you have to kind of start looking at, it's like, okay, let's see what people have. Let's see kind of where they're, they're fitting into this world and how powerful they are. And luckily I have players who do like to share loot as opposed to you know oh well this is mine and this is mine and this is mine and they're able to kind of you know figure out between all of them like okay well who might this actually be something that would like accent what they're doing what what their abilities are or be able to to fill a hole that someone else might have you know like you throw a, a cloak of protection at someone they're going to look at oh well maybe let's give this to the tank to accent you know their ac or oh, the sorcerer only has like a nine AC. Let's give it to them to at least bump it up one more. You know, there, there's different ways of looking at it. And then I got to the point where a lot of what they have is attuned. So then decisions start needing to be made about, okay, who has what? What's, what do I want going forward or what's situational? Um, and then I think most recently, I just kind of threw a whole bunch of stuff that I just thought was neat that didn't require attunement that's not combat related. And again, it's just, what did I think would be found in this area after something, you know, after they defeated some sort of boss? And so far, I think thematically things have worked out pretty well. Um, it has definitely made them more powerful than I was expecting in certain instances. But again, entirely my fault. And I've said many times on the show, I'm very bad at balancing combat. So it's just one of those things where, there's a lot of different ways where you can kind of go about it, but you are the DM. You, you can use tables, you can use charts, you can do anything you want. You can make it random, but whatever you do, you need to make sure that you're aware 
of everything that the players have available to them so that you're not overloading them with too many options at the same time. Yeah. And that's that, it, that kind of just comes down to in some ways, knowing your party, just knowing, knowing their capabilities. Um, personally, I do like homebrewing lots of magic items. Uh, I've, I've spoken before of my fondness of magic items that can grow and evolve in power because there is then a much more, uh, a much more interesting connection between the item and the player Mm -hmm. and it becomes almost part of the story, which is, which I think is really cool. Um, Not that everything has to be like that, but it is, it is a a cool um, path that you can walk. If you have a really good idea for something like that or something that could thematically fit really well with a certain character. Um, Like, like Ben said, distribution is it's, it's honestly very, it's, it's very specific to your, to your game. Like it's very specific to your world. It's, it's, there's no necessarily right or wrong thing to how, how much is too much or how, how little is too little. Um, so then there's, and there's certain levers and gears you can, you can twist and pull for, for balancing that type of thing. Ben, ben mentioned it a little bit. Uh, one built into the game itself is attunement. Mm-hmm. Um, usually uh, moderate and powerful items will require attunement of some sort, which is you know a sh- usually a short rest worth of time that you have to sit and basically you know, connect with the weapon or the armor, the item or whatever so that you are attuned to use it. And within D&D, you get that, that limit is three. Mm-hmm. So you can have up to three items attuned at a time. Artificers have a little more to play with, but that's kind of part of their, the specialty of their class. Yeah, um, that's more infusions of different things as opposed to in, um, you know, attuning to specific items. It's, it's like preparing spells, but instead you're preparing a magical item yeah and so they they get a little more flexibility but for the most part three is is the the hard limit Mm -hmm. for for a lot of these so there is some balance just within that because like ben said after they've been adventuring for a little while they may actually have to start picking and choosing what items they want to be using at what times which which is, I think, also really good because then you get to have some player choice in that and go, mm, I, I think I have an item for this situation that could be good, so I'm going to go ahead and attune this for, for potentially this dungeon or this, this quest or this adventure or whatever because I think it'll be helpful. Like mm-hmm. my ring of water walking is probably fairly worthless if I'm doing something in a place that's landlocked. Yeah. Not always, but... 95% of the time <laughs> probably not worth not worth having on or whatever. It's like, oh, um, we might be going into the sewers. I think I'll swap it this time. Yeah, exactly. Um the other the other thing um that can be really good as a tool in the DM toolbox if you're worried about giving them too much or giving them things that uh will unbalance or unbalance them or make encounter balancing a nightmare for you mm-hmm. uh, is you can use consumables. So 
I, I think consumables are awesome because, and a lot of people, when I, when I say consumables, you think like potion or something, which yes, yeah. that is, that is a consumable. That's a, I drink this, I get haste for an hour or, you know, whatever, a minute, or I drink this and I can fly for eight hours or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And so, yes, that is a consumable, but there are different forms of consumables besides potions too. Uh, consumables can also be limited use items. So like uh, to use a real D and D item, like uh, your, your necklace of fireballs. Yeah. That's that the first one that came to mind for yeah, me, actually. Exactly. <laughs> that has beads. And uh, sometimes you can, you, you can roll and see how many beads are on a certain necklace or whatever, or as a DM, you can just say this necklace has six beads or this necklace has seven beads where you can pop one off and basically flow it, throw it or, 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 whatever, (laughs) whatever you do. And it explodes into a, basically a fireball spell. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome because with these types of consumables, you can give them some cool, potentially very powerful stuff, but it can only be used a certain amount of times. And so then they need to think, okay, I need to save this for something or I can only use this a certain amount of times. And so there's inherent balance within that, knowing that this is not a a permanent thing. This is something that they have in their toolbox for maybe a hard encounter or maybe a a dozen undead (laughs) come and attack and they're just like, ha ha necklace of fireballs (laughs) and and chuck it into the the center and just, just blow them all up. And it's a really epic moment because no one else had fireball uh, at the, at the time or whatever. So having those types of consumable items and it can be anything like you can attach any spell to an item you want. You could, uh, you could have a rod of teleportation that only has three charges left and so you have to be very picky uh, about how you use that rod mm. and when you want to use that rod. Uh, so yeah, just different stuff like that. I will say the one thing about that that I worry about uh, as a player, I mean, is, well, let's call it the Resident Evil effect. So don't know if uh, you know uh, all of our listeners are familiar with the video game Resident yes, Evil. Yes, yes, yes. It's a survival horror game. You're able to collect multiple weapons throughout it, and it has limited ammunition for those weapons. There's a gun in there, the Magnum. It is the most powerful handgun in the game. You don't get a ton of ammo for it. So if you're like me, you never use it because you are always waiting to use it on something bigger and better. So that, that's the only concern that I have with using consumables. But at the same time, it, it, it kind of goes back with the, the whole idea of spell slots, of you know, uh, abilities that are you know, one-time use. Players need to get it in their heads that it's okay to use these things. You know, granted, if you have a, um, a necklace of fireballs and you use two of them, you're never going to get them back. But you know what? When you used them, there was a good reason that you did, no matter what it was for. I mean, even if it's just, let's blow open this wooden door that's incredibly flimsy and it could probably just be pushed open, whatever. You used a, a, a bead of fireball on it, door's not even there anymore, everybody can walk in, it's fine. But if you give too many consumables, then again, you have the same you know, magic item issue where there's maybe uh, 
too much to choose from. So it's it, the analysis paralysis. Yeah, exactly. I, I was trying to think of what it is. Um, I'd love that phrase because gosh, anytime I'm like, what game should I play? I always have that. There's so yep. much to choose from, but um, as long as you, you know, kind of work with your players and help them understand that magic items are in the world. If you use this, it doesn't mean that, you know, your magic items gone forever. There'll be other options or other times to get different things, or you can, you know, let's say again, we're just going to use the, the, the necklace of fireballs or, you know, the beads, just have that be something that's not exactly common, but you know, it, it, it's affordable or it's attainable, or, you know, a merchant who sells them or who is, you know, enchants it and makes it, you know, always have some sort of backdoor planned for, you know, I mean, unless it's an item that you hate that they have, I mean, you gave it to them in the first place and maybe you just completely had no idea what they're going to use it for. Um, but ha- have, have availability there for those consumables so that they're not scared to use them. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's, that's a really good, a really good point. And I I do love the point too, of don't give too many because inventory tracking is hard as it is like, that's some, every once in a while, a, a player in a game will go, remember that we, remember that time we got that and someone looks it up and I'm just like, how do you remember that? That was like 20 sessions ago. <laughs> you still got that? Really? <laughs> and so you, yeah, you don't want, you don't want to just give them so much that it'll just go down on a piece of paper or in a notepad or something and just be forgotten about. Yeah. Um, and especially since uh, D&D Beyond works incredibly well to, you know, kind of track a lot of your inventory. Like you can even put a default thing in there and change the name of it into something else entirely. It's, it's really great with that. But at the same time, if you're the one who's keeping track of everything and it's in your D&D Beyond bag, um, other people don't know it's there either. So yep. knowing what you have, you know, maybe what was looted all over the place is, is a good thing. In fact, I can tell you for certain, um, there's a, a, a magic bow that was looted in my campaign that no one's using. <laughs> it's just kind of there. Someone has it. And, you know, it's something that could be sold or, you know, maybe I can figure out a way to disenchant or something along those lines. Or maybe someone turns out, hey, you know what? I want to switch to more of a ranged class and uh, th- this bow is kind of cool, you know? Yeah, and as as a DM, it's not bad, especially when you're starting out or if you're trying to set a cadence for these types of things, especially uh, in the consumable realm. It's never bad for you to go, don't forget, guys, you might have some potions you can use or you might have some consumable items you can use for this. It's not bad to to throw reminders out there. It's still their choice whether they're going to use them or not. But to, it's not a bad thing either for the DM to bring that up every now and then just to kind of get your players in the mindset of, oh yeah, I've got some consumables I can use or I've got a potion I can use or something like that. So that's, that's good too. Um, one thing we probably need to address before, before we switch topics to is the DM that goes, Ben, Ryan, 
I messed up. I gave my players <laughs> too many powerful items. And now everything is trivial. Or I have to throw so much stuff that it's either just like, it's, it's either a def- like they either crush it or it's just an instant death <laughs> waiting for them so every what you're single time. Is- Hey, Ben, what's it like to do combat in your game because your players have a lot of magical items? You can say that too. <laughs> you can completely call me out on that. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> so, and this, this gets a little tricky. This, this gets a little tricky. One, you can just leave it like it is um, and life will be harder, <laughs> harder for you. And that's, that's just the way it goes. Two, um, you can dispose of those items in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the tricky part. This is the part you have to be careful of because so one, one way to get rid of them is have them stolen by a bad guy or a thief or something else. Just a, a random street urchin. Yeah. This can be incredibly unsatisfying mm-hmm. for players. It, it this it, it's it's a tough one it's 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 really a tough one um that if you need to that's that's how it is make sure you give them a chance to not lose it mm-hmm. it may take <laughs> <laughs> from a DM perspective, it may take several times <laughs> to to steal it away from them. But at the at the same time, you don't want to feel like you don't want your players to feel like they've lost it just because you wanted them to lose it, mm-hmm. and they had no say in the matter. Um, and always give them a path to get it back. But it may help temporarily, or it may help adjust things a little bit, especially if there's a person who has way more than everybody else, because you can give all the stuff you want, but you can't control near as much who keeps it. Exactly. I could give an item to a player and that player could turn around and go, Oh, person who's good at everything. This would make you even better at everything. Mm-hmm. And the, as the DM, you're just sitting there and going, oh, but I, I gave that to you to help balance things out a little bit. Why, <laughs> why, why are you doing that? You can't, you can't control that. Yeah. And, and so, it's not like you can customize every loot drop to be okay. Well, this is the thing for the cleric. This is the thing for the rogue. This is the thing for the artificer. You know, yeah, it's like where you pick it up like it, like a, like a wow item or something you pick yeah. up and on it, there's a little tag that says, uh, warlock class, only. class requirement <laughs> warlock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, although there are some things like that in the game, but generally they're for multiple classes. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, so it's not, it's not like, that video gamey where, where you can just do that. So you have to, you have to be kind of aware of that. So yes. Mm-hmm. So stealing, stealing things is, is a potential option. Um, depowering is another option. Um, this one can be, again, it's, it's, it's really all these types of situations are hard because you're taking something from the players that you gave them. Mm-hmm. And so that it, it's inherently it's inherently a little risky or a little little hard to do um and so you maybe maybe uh at some point 
during gameplay, you just, all of a sudden, like, your sword's not working anymore. What? My magic sword just, the power seems gone. And it's, it's interesting because, one, you can turn this into, it, one, it can help you balance. Mm-hmm. can help depower something it, and you don't want to do this you don't want to do these types of this is this is only something you do if you're having huge balance issues and you know you've given too much stuff out this is not mm-hmm. something you need to do just for the general <laughs> this person has two magic items and that's that's it type thing yeah this but, isn't a weapons break in zelda kind of thing no 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 but so like oh yeah um your sword's not working anymore or that you feel the power drain out of it or something like that. Uh, and maybe it's something, uh, a bad guy, uh, an ability, a bad guy used on you. Maybe it's, it's some item that eats magic or something like that, that they encounter, which uh, it's always better to tie these types of things into mm-hmm. stories. And then potentially you could even turn that into more story by figuring out how to repower it. And potentially when you repower it, it's not quite as strong as when you got it and so you have to continue to repower it over time and so that's that's much more story ended oriented way mm-hmm. of being able to kind of pull that power back a little bit um and then one of the one of the last things uh of the of the big things to to kind of adjust this is sacrifice and this is the old old trope <laughs> <laughs> and I, if you played if you played World of Warcraft like me and Ben, this was a classic trope they used for the World of Warcraft Legion expansion. We it's had still, we got it these. Still hurts. I know still it still hurts. hurts. It still hurts. Uh, we got these super powerful artifact weapons that we powered up through the entire expansion, and then at the end, we had to sacrifice the power of the weapons themselves for the mm-hmm. greater good to heal Azeroth. You can do something like that. Put whatever storyline you got going, whatever situation you put your players in that have an overabundance of magic items. Uh, whoops. Uh, <laughs> happens sometimes. You can, you can sometimes put them in a situation to go, something needs to happen and I have to sacrifice one or more or the party has to sacrifice one or more of its magic items to power x y or z so that it can accomplish x goal Mm -hmm. right and so that's another great way of integrating it and it doesn't feel near it, it it hurts but it's a story thing and it becomes a much greater thing kind of like the weapon losing its power for some reason from a drain or something. And this, in this case, it's a, I am accomplishing this or that Mm -hmm. from my weapon getting drained. And so I'm making that sacrifice. So it can, it can be kind of a cool character thing. It can be kind of a cool story thing and it can soften the blow a little bit uh, on losing, losing some magic items too. Exactly. And the idea of, you know, kind of pulling back and rebalancing is, you know, it's always going to be tricky no matter which way you go for it. So, you know, handle it with care. And if the, the discussion with your players needs to happen, then it needs to happen. You know, communication is always key. I think we say that in 
probably at least 60 to 70% of these episodes, <laughs> but you know, if something's happening for a certain reason or whatever, and like, say a player does have an issue with it, just, you know, talk to them. So like, Hey, look, this is what's going on. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason, all the other players are giving you all the magical items, maybe share, you know, that could be, you know, a route, a route to take. Um, like overall though, I just, I, I think that trying to do what you can to, incorporate story into it is the only way that you can really make it satisfactory and like you were saying for depowering there's i mean anti-magic zones are a thing they they exist in the world um also what's something that i came up with that i thought would be really fun is the person who originally enchanted it kind of sucked and it, it didn't actually hold so now you need to find someone else to enchant i don't know i just like that idea yeah yeah but i mean pulling story in any way whether it's you know it it doesn't have to be the biggest plot point you don't need to have okay there's the big bad evil guy and he is only able to die if seven magic items are thrust into their chest no matter what they are you know like my chime of opening just shove it in there because you know i don't want them to be able to unlock doors or something i don't know whatever but you know, you can target specific things, you know, with some sort of lore or event or something along those lines. Um, you can even have, you know, this magic sword that someone's carrying be uh, a, an heirloom, a family heirloom that someone notices, you know, have it be the player's decision to actually turn it over to them and, yeah, and, and, yeah. and give it up. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. Be creative, try to have some fun with it. And it's going to take that sting away. Yeah. And honestly, at the end of the day, especially if, if you go, guys, I'm a new DM. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to really create all this or, or improvise all this or figure out good ways of doing this. Honestly, at the end of the day, if you as a DM are having trouble running your game or making combat interesting or whatever because of the amount of magic items you gave early on and you've learned lessons since then or you know whatever or because of rolling if you're rolling on random tables and they've (laughs) just gotten these ridiculous things it's not bad either to just sit down and go hey players i am honestly having issues balancing and making this especially combat interesting for you because of either the stuff I gave you or the stuff you have rolled (laughs) on these random tables. How do you keep rolling in the nineties every time (laughs) and just sit down and have the discussion and say, honestly, we need to, we need to adjust some things and maybe I take this and I give you this instead. Or yeah, you you give up this particular item, or this this particular item seems to be a real pain point, mm-hmm. and and making things harder, whatever. So, it's it's not bad to have to have those conversations. We're all only human; we all make mistakes, and if we need to adjust to make things more fun or to make it more enjoyable for us to prepare or run the game, then those conversations should be had. Yeah. The last um, 
like big looting session that I had, a lot of it was, you know, unattuned magical items, but they were all kind of really mundane based on where the looting actually took place. It was a destroyed town. It was in the home of a, of a beholder that was, you know, underneath the water. And, but I, I mean, it had like a helmet of dread and um, I forget what the fishing or what the, the staff was, but it was a staff that just turns into a fishing pole. And I mean, it was a fishing town. So it kind of made sense that something like that would be there. And, you know, I still thought some of the stuff was cool. I don't know if my players did, but eh, it happened. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully that helps clear some things up on, on loot and item distribution. Um, if you have any other questions, especially specific to those, because like I was saying earlier, a lot of this is very specific to tables, mm-hmm. to your, your particular table. So if you have any uh, questions or anything on that, feel free to hit us up. We would, we would love to discuss uh, as this is a very, very fluid topic in a lot of ways. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, uh, we're going to talk about integrating different forms of campaign settings and characters. So Ben, why don't you you kick us off a little bit? Well, the big thing is, is that, I I don't know if you know this, Ryan. Um, I I mean, I would hope you do because, you know, you you do the show with me. But (laughs) um, there are a whole bunch of different uh, source books, a whole bunch of different uh, players guides, you know, handbooks and everything that involve a lot of different settings and campaigns in Dungeons and Dragons. It's true. Um, you know, like one of the big ones that I'm a fan of is uh, Faerun, which is, you know, Icewind Dale, Neverwinter. Um, if you read any like the Drist books, uh, it's basically the Forgotten Realms. It's, it's that, you know, kind of, part of the multiverse um there's also you know eberron something entirely different still uses the same type of rules but entirely different kind of setting than what you're looking at um there's ravnica there's uh i already said eberron of course um and there's the acquisitions incorporated <laughs> the kind of section of the world which is different i mean um, one of the most recent books that they put out as well as the, the, the Theros. I mean, there's all these different things to, to, to choose and pick from and play with that sometimes it could be hard to take something, a brand new source book that's out and things that you want to use that are in it, but it doesn't necessarily fit in, say, your Forgotten Realms campaign. Like, how do you take one of the, the, the war machines from hell and put it in your campaign. And this is kind of what we're talking about, you know, just taking different bits of campaign settings and making them mesh to however you want to, to run with it. Now, like personally, again, I am a uh, uh, entirely homebrew campaign setting and it's a lot easier for me to be all like, Oh yeah, that's new. Cool. It's in the world. I don't care whatever you know that also helps with magic items with monsters with races <laughs> throw everything in don't care i'll i'll justify it some way but for those you know fleshed out and you know set worlds ryan how would you start mixing and matching that's that's a really good question so i think there, there's a few things um that really come to mind for the most part from a D and D perspective. Um, and that's 
your straight on like forgotten realms generic fantasy type type setting and then something like Eberron, mm-hmm. which is more of a like magical steampunk type type setting that may not necessarily fit into that uh same thing with like uh gunpowder yeah. or firearms that's that's another really big one that comes up a lot of the time and so it's 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 really interesting so um if a if a player doesn't have a character concept like that you usually don't have to worry about it it's just whatever whatever the world is whatever the the rules are um we can kind of take our own plus five rhyme of the frost maiden campaign is an mm-hmm. example because uh that's a fairly traditional you know forgotten realms type campaign oh, definitely. Uh, jeff one of our players wanted to play a warforged not necessarily standard not necessarily common for for that type of thing and so our dm row kind of made a few adjustments uh the character was from a far off place and it was uh and described the warforge as like a combination of this like metal and wood yeah which i thought was super super cool and so kind of molded the traditional warforged to fit within this more established fantasy setting, right? Uh, let's say someone comes and is like, I want to play a gunslinger or some, you know, some sort of firearm type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'm in a fantasy world and technically like guns don't exist in my world. All right, so you can do, you can do a few things. One, these are prototypes. This is something no one else has something yeah. this person specifically developed. In fact, um, <clears throat> Critical Role is a great example of this. Uh, the character of Percy is a gunslinger in Critical Role. Uh, from a Critical Role Exandria world standpoint, at the time, gunpowder and firearms really weren't a thing. But he invented them. He created them. He made this. He made this up, and he was tuning and building as the campaign went on. And eventually, you know, in campaign two now, firearms are more of a thing. It's like it introduced this whole new mechanic to the world. And so you can do something like that, or you can flavor it and go, okay, gunpowder really doesn't exist, but we could do something with magic. We could do something with like arcane some sort of of tool that you built that can fire bursts of arcane energy mm-hmm. or something like that and now you have flavored this gunslinger to be a little more uh setting appropriate for for your for your thing exactly so there's a lot of different things like that that you can do without having to say someone comes up and says ben can i can i play a gunslinger and you're just like no gunpowder uh, firearms don't exist in my exactly. campaign setting i mean you can do that and it's it's with like as, as as a dm it's okay it is okay to set restrictions mm-hmm. it is okay to do that you you might just say okay we're only going to use player's handbook content or we're only going to use player's handbook and uh xanathar's content or whatever that's fine it, it is okay make sure you set those expectations beforehand 
Exactly. Or as source books come out, set those expectations for your players knowing they're coming, they're coming out. So like Tasha's, uh, let's say Tasha's is coming out or something and go, okay, guys, Tasha's is not going to be allowed or we're not, we're not going to be using Tasha's. We're already, you know, level 10 or whatever. Uh, I don't want to be going back and redoing a bunch of stuff or, or whatnot. We're, we're, we're just going to um, ignore Tasha's for this campaign. Or you, you go, Tasha's totally on the table. As soon as it comes out, you guys can start pulling spells or feats or whatever from that. It's no big deal. Neither of those are necessarily wrong, but make sure you set the expectation with your players for that type of stuff when it comes out and in session, but pre-session zero during character creation and stuff. Don't, don't give unreasonable expectations. Don't let a player make something and then go, ah, oh, no, you can't. You can't do that. Uh, make sure that you talk to your players and get the ideas of what kind of things they want to create. And then if for some reason there's something that doesn't fit or something you don't think you can fit and make sense of, then you can go, okay, we can't do this, but maybe we can do this or can't do this. Is there something else you'd like to do? Exactly. Like working with the players is really the biggest, or the biggest thing with this. Um, I mean, just as a gunslinger, you know, let's say, Hey, I don't want, you know, ammunition. I don't want firearms in my campaign. How about we have hand crossbow instead? You know, it's still, you know, kind of like a pistol, but let's say it's a heavily modified one. Maybe it is one that uses a cartridge that shoots darts. So it's, you know, kind of like a handgun, but it, it's shooting, you know, crossbow bolt or, or, or something along those lines. And we can have it the use similar rules to what you can find, you know, for a gunslinger or something, you know, something along those lines, or just take an exact gunslinger and just be like, Oh, I don't shoot bullets. I shoot whatever, you know, something along those lines for whatever fits with your, your, your setting, your campaign. Um, downright saying no it sucks on both sides because as a dm you don't really feel good doing it and then as a player who has this you know grand idea it's it it sucks to get shot down and i am always nicer to work if you work with them if you can yeah and i will say right now that i really felt horrible saying no to some of the ideas in um you know, for, even for a one shot, it's like, it doesn't really fit, but let's see what we can alter and work with and, you know, meet halfway, you know, it, you know, trying to do something along those lines. Um, one other thing that I want to really make sure to, to point out, especially if you're bringing in, um, you know, something different or, you know, homebrewing a, a setting or something along those lines balance is something that you want to make sure that you really focus on you really look at and even more so that your players are aware of certain things um so we've had Bo on uh the dm for their early dungeons he does a masterful job with that universe i mean he's created he's he's worked with everything the one thing that always like when i listen or or, or watch live or whatever that i'm like everybody has a gun and they're shooting all over the place. And like the main characters are like, I've got a sword or, you know, like, you know, just doing some sort of melee thing with that. 
it, it's one of those things where you need to set that expectation beforehand because, you know, I, I don't want to be a barbarian in a huge high magic realm where yeah. everything is magic and everybody's firing spells off and every single combat is going to be me having to run my max distance between uh, wizards every single time just to get a hit in when hey one hit might kill them but then i gotta run another 30 feet in order to get to the next one or or something along those lines when i have you know two attacks at level four you know i, I don't know that that's not the best example but you kind of get what i'm going with you want to yeah, make yeah. sure that the world or the players are aware of what's going on even if you have the, like the type of setting that you're that yeah you're doing. exactly so if you're pulling in from different aspects of of you know just the dungeons and dragons universe or pulling something from you know another game that you think is really cool that you can kind of adapt it again it all comes down to expectations and everybody is just kind of aware of what's going on and you can balance it but the thing that's even more important is that everybody goes into it aware that there might need to be alterations made based on balance. Yes, that is, that's huge, especially it, less so for official stuff. Sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes it will come up that you want to tweak official stuff a little bit. And that's, that's not bad. I, that's, that's totally fine. But the official stuff has been play tested and mm -hmm. tried and, and tweaked many times before it was even published. So <laughs> that's, you can usually rely on official things a little more so than, than just mm -hmm. other homebrew stuff from a balance perspective, because some homebrew things like supplements you buy will be more tested than others. You don't, you don't really know. Um, but I, I think it is a great comment to make sure you set an expectation with a player who's using something homebrew that, Hey, this is awesome. This homebrew is a cool idea. We may have to tweak it a little bit, mm -hmm. depending on if it's too weak or too strong. So just bear, bear that in mind and we'll kind of adjust and have those discussions as we go. Exactly. And that even goes for the unearthed arcana stuff, because that is actually currently being play tested. And you know, one day you could be rolling a, a plus six, and then the next day it could be a plus four because they found that something was uh, a little too much of a benefit. So they dialed it back. And, you know, anytime I have a character or a, uh, a player who's wanting to jump into, you know, a, a, I can't, words are hard for me today. Don't mind me. Exactly. But, um, it's yeah, one of those days. Exactly. Um, they want to jump into like a new subclass or, you know, maybe alter their play style with, with something like that. We always have that discussion of, okay, that's great. It might change. We might have to, you know, figure that, that sort of stuff out on the fly sometimes even, but uh, you know, for the most part, as long as you keep that communication up, which again, we say it in every episode, um, it, it's not going to be that much of a big deal, especially if you're working with people who are understanding of, oh, this isn't official stuff. Great. Let's, let's get in there. Uh, you know, if anything, they'll be appreciative of you trying to, to go with a new direction with them on something, or 
if you know you're the one who's doing the the weird new thing be appreciative that your players are willing to try it out as well yeah for for sure um it's like ben said it's just it's just communication trial and error you're not you may not get it right the first time um and just as a dm especially be open to adjustments be open to flavoring and as a player, be open to potentially tweaking your concept or, or using a different one if uh, for some reason it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily fit in that world. Exactly. All right. So we have uh, one listener question before we start wrapping things up. Uh, Casey asks... In honor of Tasha's, how do you handle introducing new items, feats, features from the material or fresh homebrew to an existing world? Quest for rare components, new sunken treasure of a lost age, merchants from a new land, realm, etc. Um, this is actually a good question. I think we, <laughs> we actually kind of touched on it uh, a little bit as, as we were going. Um, personally, for me, it's it's pretty easy to throw throw that kind of stuff in mm-hmm. because with like items and whatnot that's that's easy enough for me to say those always existed or now i just have more toys that i can yeah. play with or or give out that's not a big deal feats it's the same way it's all right yeah whenever you get the next level that's just a new thing on the list that you can potentially get and honestly for me I would rather my players be playing the funnest version of their character for them. Mm-hmm. And so I am usually fairly flexible of, I took this feat and it's not, it's not feeling right for my character or, or it's not feeling fun or something like that. Can I swap this, swap this out? Or especially for new players, like mm-hmm. I took this spell on a class that can only learn two spells a level or something (laughs) like that. And it's just not turning out to be useful at all, or it really doesn't fit well with what I'm trying to do. I'm usually fairly flexible, especially with new people for letting them switch that type of thing out. Um, And so it's, again, it's just, it's just a flexibility thing. And it's just one of those things where you can decide, okay, all these feet, all the Tasha's feats are available. All the, the Tasha's features are available or whatever, or uh, we're probably not going to use these for, for this campaign. You can certainly work in this type of stuff through story. I know some DMs might go, okay, you want to change your feet? Let's make that a story thing. Or you want to change, uh, you want to, switch over to a subclass or something like that. Let's, let's make this a story thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's great. That's super cool. And if it was something as big as maybe a subclass or something like that, then yeah, I would probably turn that into a story beat yeah. and have that, have that kind of unfold. But for, for the smaller things, at least for my personal games, we only meet usually once or twice a month, those types of things. I just don't have time for to care about. They're small enough that it's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a big deal of it. Yeah. Just, we'll just, me and the player, we'll just talk. We'll figure something out. We'll come to a compromise 
if needed and and go with it yeah exactly uh, in fact uh, our first session after tasha's came out i said i went through all of the additional options with everyone said like hey these are available to you if you want them and it, it, it's one of those things where i'm just like it, it's new stuff for the game it's new stuff you know why would i limit them on you know like one in particular i think it's great um bardic inspiration hey guess what you can use that for a, a damaging or a healing spell or or something it's like an additional thing on top of that which it's great as as a bard you give out inspiration and guess what if it you know the player rolls really well and never has to use bardic inspiration it's a waste so being able to apply it in a different way it's an it, it's a great addition why would i want that to, to end you know, why would I want uh, my players not to have access to something cool like that? Um, like you were saying with feats, I'm same exact thing. It, hey, it's, it's just available now. Great. If there's, if, uh, you know, <laughs> like if they leveled up and a feat was available, then the next week Tachas came out and they're like, okay, maybe I like this one instead. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I don't care. You know, yeah. it, you would like have picked said, something like that anyways. Yeah. I mean, the big thing comes into, again, make it fun in whatever way works. If you have uh, players who, you know, there's this new item that's available in Tasha's and they want to do some sort of like grand quest for it. Great. Make up a quest for it. Have fun with it. If you just want to have it available in a magic shop. Great. It's there too. You know, no matter which way you go with it. Again, the whole point of Dungeons and Dragons is to have fun with your friends. It's a game. So go with what works for your table. And, you know, if you want to be, um, you know, I don't even want to say strict because how everybody runs their table is different. If you want to be, again, limit, like I don't want to use negative adjectives here, but <laughs> it, it's kind of how it is. If, you know, if you don't open that stuff up in, it's, this, it's, in a certain campaign, it's fine. Yeah, it's and in some fun. ways it's complexity. It is. Yeah. If you are a DM who's just like, okay, I, this is, the, the player's handbook is the complexity I want to deal with. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. That's totally fine. It's, it's not a big deal. Like extra rules and extra stuff added in is extra complexity. It's Every subclass, not yeah. in the player's handbook, which there are a ton of them. Yeah. adds a lot of complexity. Yeah. So it, it is okay if, that's, if that is kind of your, the, the, the way you want to run things. That's, that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, so just just be aware of that um, and just be aware as a DM that there will be extra added complexity and just know yourself if you want to deal with that or not. And that's fine. And then just keep your players informed. Like Ben exactly. said, just keep your players informed. So that way, at least, at the very least, they know where, where you stand on, on new, new stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, cool. Um, well, before we, before we wrap up a quick shout out, and this is, this is so fun. I saw this, I saw several people retweeting this and I can't believe that I didn't know about it before. Oh, you didn't? Uh, no, I, I feel, I feel weird that this has just never come up before. Oh, uh, wow. I thought Joe everybody Kat, knew about it. Yes. Joe Cat, a crap guide to D&D fifth edition. Uh, this is a series of YouTube videos. If you're a brand new player, this is not the guide you want to watch to learn how to play D&D. If you are an existing D&D player, this is something you should watch because it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And it, it, 
hits on a lot of the memes and tropes and just silly things that are very class specific, <laughs> class specific, or uh, talk about alignments, character sheets, you know, the dungeon master has got a whole 20 minute episode for it. So uh, we'll have a link in our show notes. If you haven't watched through this video series, highly recommend it. It's super, it's super fun. funny. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's uh, especially for existing players. It's uh, it's it's great for a laugh. Very entertaining. Um, so we want. I wanted to shout that out uh, because it is it has given me much joy <laughs> the last week watching watching through all these. It 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 does give a little little tiny nugget of knowledge in each one, but yeah, like Ryan said. Bit don't don't use this as an actual guide <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot more informative videos from several different youtubers critical role did their like handbooker, handbooker helper, helper. Mm-hmm. yeah that goes over a lot of the basics uh i know like web dm has a lot of like there's so many just like youtube how to play D type videos this is this is for fun this exactly <laughs> Um, so, uh, we're, we're, we're to the end, Ben, we're to the, uh, quick, what have, what have we done? And there's, there's definitely for, for me, Ben, a little bit of D and D since the last time we talked. So, uh, but let's, let's start with you. What have, what have you got going? Uh, nothing else has happened since, uh, unfortunately, uh, life came up in a couple different, uh, weekends at a time and we weren't able to get together and play. Uh, the, the game that I run anyway. Um, of course, this, plus, tis plus the season. Hit, yeah, plus five to hits happening, which uh, we, we recently recorded our uh, last episode of the year for that, which was a lot of fun. Um, that should be out pretty soon. Yeah, pretty soon. About, about the same time as this, I think. Pretty close anyway. Um, and then uh, in the, the other game that I'm playing in, uh, we're still kind of making our way through a dungeon. And uh, if I remember correctly, uh, we basically just opened up a room to a potential big bad evil guy. Ooh. And uh, that, when we're done recording, that's what I'm jumping right into. So I'm awesome. looking forward to it. Awesome. So we'll get some, we'll get some post-holiday D&D stories. Yeah. You. That'll be good. Um, for me, I had the last session of the year for both my campaigns uh, that I run. And so the, the first one, my, my, my first campaign, they, it was, it was in some ways a little bit more of a laid back session. There wasn't a ton of combat. It was more just like a introducing some things, finding some stuff out uh, to (laughs) two of my players who are both both alchemists and they both get on their their characters get in, kind of get on each other's nerves and they've kind of got this friendly banter rivalry going constantly mm-hmm. ended up working together to work on some alchemical stuff to make basically time bombs oh wow to set off in the city that they're about to do this major assault on as distractions and stuff like that so they they spent a part of the session doing that the others went and scouted they saw some of the big bads in the city that's been taken over they saw them do some horrible things and because of their actions (laughs) destroying this this first sacrificial circle they saw uh 
two of them raise an undead dragon to help guard the main temple area just because of yeah. all the crap they've been doing. <laughs> uh, so it, 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 but it's, it's great because it's, it's a mix of, because of what they did, they actually weakened what the overall scheme is. But as a downside of that, now the enemy are more aware. They're, they're more well protected. They've contacted the city, the, the main city and the main city is sending troops in the next day or two and so we have we are on the cusp of building up to this city assault where there will be multiple things happening at the same time and trying to figure out what's going on and trying to stop whatever's going on they have kind of an idea but they're not you know fully aware of the Mm -hmm. the gravity of of what's happening so that's that's going to be a really interesting thing um and then the other the other campaign is currently traveling to um, one of my towns to basically get their reward for the the mercenary job. Yeah, that they did. Uh, on the way, they <laughs> they met. Uh, I, I think I talked about the the bandit encounter mm-hmm. that they had. Um, it turns out <laughs> they <laughs> they uh, wanted to track the the head guys down and so they grabbed his head which they had cut off and speak with dead it's like the the new thing yeah it's 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 definitely a thing because the the cleric in my first campaign never uses it ever and they've used it like three or four times already and so that's (laughs) that's been a, a super a super funny thing and so that that led to a little side thing um they're traveling with this menagerie and it turned out that um over the course of things uh one the second night unfortunately a poor perception check on watch led to missing something important and one of their uh people that they rescued got killed by a large animal oh and so and they weren't quick enough to save him they tracked it down they found this giant wolf and it turned out that it was a very large werewolf from somebody who in the menagerie and due to all the bandit stuff and the the excitement of new people and whatnot they had forgotten to lock him up in the empty menagerie cage that was with them that night oh wow and so he changed not in the cage got out ended up killing one of their one of their quarry essentially that they're going to get their uh their reward for and it caught it was a very interesting deal because it caused a big rift because it wasn't something it wasn't something that the menagerie intended to happen yeah it was an accident in a lot of ways, but it was an accident that got someone killed. And so it was a very interesting interaction. It was one of those interactions where it wasn't a black and white situation. It was a very gray situation mm-hmm. uh, with how things went down. So it, it was a, it was a very interesting, different kind of encounter than, uh, than they're probably used to, um, or the, just more the, Oh, it's bad. Let's kill it type thing. Yeah. More, uh, no, this this person 
this menagerie has been protecting for years and they slipped up and because they slipped up someone got killed but this poor guy can't control this and they didn't intend for that to happen but it did so that's really interesting cool. yeah interesting uh, interesting social slash combat type encounter um that we went through so when we come back from from break from that they're in the town their delegation to pick up the now one alive person <laughs> that'll be that'll be interesting is is gonna gonna happen so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to to continuing both those those campaigns. Those have been a lot of fun, very a lot, cool. of, a lot of joy from from D and D this year. So looking forward to it. Well, good. All right, Ben. That's it. We're yeah. done. This is it for the year. That's uh, crazy. It's yeah. It's been a great year. We just want to thank everyone for listening. This has been just kind of a passion project of ours in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. We don't do, we don't do any money, getting money for this thing. We don't have a Patreon for this thing. We don't have merchandise or anything like that for this thing. This is purely just something we do because both of us enjoy doing it. So we really appreciate everyone who listens, everyone who's given feedback, uh, everyone who's commented. Uh, thank you so much. Um, and again, uh, take care of each other. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas from us to you. And Ben, before we head out, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached? You bet. Um, Well, if you're looking for us, uh, easiest way to contact us is going to be on Twitter. You can find us at Dean Discussions. Uh, You know, reach out, say hi, ask a question, do whatever you want. You know, we're there. Um, Now, Ryan, if people are looking for specifically you, what is your Twitter handle? You can find me on Twitter at TBKZord. Yep, and if you're looking for me, I am at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, now, if you have a longer question or, you know, comments or anything that you want to just, you know, kind of chat about or share about your campaign, you can always email us and send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com uh, where, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Just simple as that. Uh, on top of that, though, dndiscussions.com, our website, has every single episode we've ever done, which you can also find on, you know, well, your podcast uh, platform of choice, really. Pretty much where everything is. Now, if you want to hear us playing Dungeons & Dragons, uh, we mentioned it before, but definitely check out Plus 5 to Hit. It is a very fun, ongoing, persistent campaign. And uh, we'll have a new episode of that uh, pretty soon. And, uh, of course, that is going to be the last episode for the year as well because, again, life happens. And uh, that'll be back uh, early January as well. So until next episode, uh, like Ryan said, thank you, everybody, for all the support. Uh, Everybody who listens, everybody who shares it with your friend, who writes in, who says anything to us about it, we really do appreciate it. And uh, this year has been really tough for a lot of people for a lot of various reasons. So thank you for taking some time and spending it with us. We really appreciate it. And of course, as always, until next time, be good to each other. Take care. We'll see you next year.